0: I think so often in the coaching space, it's kind of like you pay me and hopefully it works out for you. And I want it to feel like you pay me and I have a vested interest in your success. And when I win, you win. And I call it partnership. And so basically they only pay me when they're making that money, when their revenue is growing. And it has just been incredible.
1: What if you could change the way you price your services and double your revenue without bringing on any new clients or changing anything about how you work with your clients. I'm Susan Bowles, and you're listening to Break the Ceiling, the show where we break down unconventional strategies you can use to save time, boost your profit, and increase your operational capacity. Sometimes, just switching up how you're pricing your services can have a dramatic effect on your overall profitability. And I don't just mean raising your prices, but reimagining how those prices are structured in the first place. We've been talking this month about creative strategies around pricing or packaging your services. And as part of that exploration, I wanted to re air an interview that I did with Lacey Sites from A Lit Up Life about a year ago. Lacey created a unique revenue sharing pricing structure that allowed her to scale her one-on-one coaching business and dramatically grow her profits without bringing on a single new client. This unique model allowed her to double down on her investment in each client, reap the rewards when their work with her pays off, but it also creates a pricing structure that builds trust and represents the true long-term partnership she wants to build with each client. This episode originally aired in December of 2019, but it's been one of the most listened to episodes ever. And I think that's because it creates a model that allows you to genuinely grow and scale a service business without having to give up that close one-on-one client relationship. So I wanted to include it here as part of our exploration into creative pricing models. While I've recorded a new introduction to the episode, the interview itself is the originally recorded episode from 2019. Lacey and I talk about the logistics of actually creating a revenue sharing model, how that requires her to filter her clients more carefully, and the impact that shifting to this pricing model had on her business. All right. Hi, Lacey. Thanks so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So give me like a quick one sentence, you know, who you are, what you do, kind of to start the conversation off here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have... My MBA and my master's in mental health counseling, and I basically put those two together to help high-achieving women grow and scale their online business.
1: Awesome! And you have a very unique kind of pricing compensation structure in your business. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? How it works? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So um, when clients hire me, they pay me a base rate, but then on top of that, they pay me ten percent of the new revenue generated through our work together. So. If they come to me already having clients or whatever, obviously that doesn't count. I'm not just coming in taking 10% of their business, but taking 10% of the new revenue we generate because I want them to actually feel like we're partners. I think so often in the coaching space, um, it's kind of like you pay me and like hopefully it works out for you, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right. Um, And I want it to feel like you pay me and I have a vested interest in your success and like when I win, you win and I call it partnership. And so um, basically they only pay me when they're, when they're having that win, when they're making that money, when their revenue is growing. And it has just been incredible.
1: So how do you, how do you track that? How do you, is it, you know, any revenue that they, that comes in after you guys start working together or um, are you tracking specific kinds of revenue? So I would say mostly it's
0: any revenue that comes in after we start working together, but certainly there are variances to that. Like if there was somebody you had been talking to well before we started working together, it's an old client that, you know, you had had a relationship with for a long time that you knew was going to resign, resigns, like things like that. I'm like happy to like understand that I didn't play a play a role in that. But in general, it's usually like 10% since we began working together.
1: Okay. And did you always price your services that way? Or was this something that you transitioned to at some point? Was there some kind of um, trigger that led you down this path? For sure. I did not always price them this way. And there was definitely a trigger.
0: I also tested it for a long time. So we can talk about that too. But um, initially, I just priced normally, like, you know, I just had a flat coaching rate. Um that's what you paid, that kind of thing. But but something I was hearing from people over and over again that were coming to me to work with me is basically like, I've been burned before and I'm scared, right? Another thing that I was hearing is like, I really want to do this, but like, It just feels like such a big leap pricing wise, right? And um, my old background is that I um, was in the nonprofit world and I worked a lot on like re-engineering service delivery models. So I was like always Mm -hmm. asking the question of like, how can we do this better? How can we reach more people? How can this be more accessible? Things like that, right? Mm -hmm. And so that really was the question I started to apply here. Like, how can we create accessibility? How can this be done better? How can people stop being so scared, of getting you know screwed again, basically, or whatever you know yep, that process was, right? Um, and and that's kind of where this came from. I had been pondering it for for quite a long time, and then I like specifically remember one day I was like <laughs> taking a bubble bath, as as it would be, um, not thinking about it at all, and it literally just hit me. Like I was like, oh my god, I'm just going to charge a revenue percentage. Um, and I pretty much ran with it start starting right from that moment.
1: So did you transition existing clients or you use the new model with new clients? How did you, um, how did you actually implement this?
0: Yeah, great question. So actually what I did at first was I, I'm like a big tester. Like I don't love to like dive into anything. Like I want to do get data. I want to tweak it like stuff like that. So what I did in the beginning was I basically ran what I called the partnership process and I had people apply. And so I didn't even charge a base rate then. I was basically like, Work with me for 10% of your revenue. And I had so many people apply. Like, I think the first time we had maybe 100 to 200 applications. I don't quite remember. Wow. And I took people through a really long process because I was basically like, well, I want to vet you
1: if <laughs> and make sure you're. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of risk on your part. Yeah. You know,
0: <laughs> totally. Um, so I did that. And the first um, time I think I took on two or three clients. And I think both of them ended up paying me more than my flat rate. And I was like, wow, there's something to this. And so I actually ran the partnership process, I think, t- three more times before I took it full scale in my business. Um, so I had a lot of data going in, which was really important. Like I already could see how this was working. And I think that's really important with innovative ideas. Sometimes is that, you know, sometimes we're so quick to jump in, and it's, like, okay if you test it for a while. Like, I basically tested it for a year before I brought it fully into my business. Um, I you. When I did, I only did it for new clients, and I grandfathered an old client. So I still have clients to this day <laughs> um, that have been with me that long. I mean, maybe, like, one or two, right? But, like, that aren't paying a percentage, but basically everyone
1: else is. Interesting. So – when you were vetting people to decide whether or not they'd be a good match for this revenue share model, what were you, what were you looking for? What characteristics were you um, kind of filtering for?
0: The most important to me was honestly commitment, because I think that something like a revenue share like that, where you don't have skin in the game up front, like if you're lacking in commitment, like that's, that can be a really big
1: deterrent. Right. So yeah, especially when we're talking revenue and it's dependent on them actually going and selling things. Oh oh
0: my God, a hundred percent. So basically I I took them, like they had to fill out an application, then they had to make a video, then they had to fill out an entire business plan.
1: Mm, Okay.
0: So that was like a three week process. And so by that point, like they had invested a lot in terms of like time, energy, Um, their own like, you know, digging and answering questions and everything like that. And so I was really more like who is willing to go through this whole process, number one, and stay committed Mm -hmm. to it. And then how committed are they in those applications? Like, you know, it's very obvious when someone wants to put like a one word answer for everything. Right? Yes. (laughs) Right? Versus like someone that like really wants to tell you like how they're going to use this to, to make it work. And that's a constant question I'm always asking in that process is like, what are you bringing to the table? Like, this is a partnership. So like, tell me why I should pick you. What are you going to do to make this work? And then I kind of just went off my gut, honestly.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I I love the idea of using the process itself as a filter. Um, I do something similar with one of my, essentially with one of my lead sort of products or services is I have a fairly extensive questionnaire that's there for the purpose of making sure that they're thinking about their answers, that they're getting ready to have the conversation we're going to have, and kind of that using that commitment as part of the process. So I love that concept.
0: Absolutely. I think that like, you know, it's it's surprising (laughs) how many people aren't committed to things like that. And so it is a really, really helpful filter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and absolutely, particularly in something where so much... There's so much risk on your end in terms of, um, you know, you can coach them, but you can't do the work Mm -hmm. for them. Ultimately, they have to be able to do the work to generate that revenue. That's ultimately the result of your work together. And um, it's a little bit, you know, you're taking on the risk of them not doing the work that they're supposed to do.
0: Totally. I think like one way that I've reframed that is um, that I feel like. I want to stand behind my own work and I want to put my money where my mouth is kind of thing. I think that is vastly missing in our space in so many ways. Like, I think we've gotten to this point where we're asking people to pay very, 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 very high rates without really wanting to have any stake in that game or put our money where our mouth is. And like, as a coach, you can't do the work, but like, we also can't take no responsibility. And so I think it's just this thing I like to play with of like, what is my level of responsibility in this? Right. And I guess I, you could say I valued it at 10%, <laughs> but, but I think that's an important question, right?
1: Yeah. I, I, re- I think that's an interesting perspective because I, I agree. And this, I can see where the revenue share model sort of functions as a little bit of a guarantee for them, uh, from the client's perspective, it's an easy, it's an easy sales tool of, you know, you don't this doesn't happen unless you actually see results. So I I love that as a, both as a sales tool and as your own personal kind of check to make sure that you are still really invested in your work with your clients.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a beautiful way to say it. Like it is a, it is like a check on both sides, almost it's like a check and balance kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, and something that I found to be really interesting in doing it is um, I feel like I've almost uh, attract and obviously I'm like a super biased cuz they're my clients right but I feel like I attract <laughs> such smart business women because of that. Like I feel like they're really thinking about it in a different way. Like so many of my clients are you know making over the 250-500k mark and and hiring me because they want that because to hire someone that's further along so to speak in that realm, you know you're talking $5,000 a month for, for a base rate for a coach kind of thing. And they're like, I could do that. I can afford that at this revenue, but I want somebody who's like literally invested in my growth and who I pay if I grow, who I'm not just paying a really high rate because they've maybe gotten a result before. I want someone who I'm paying a really high rate because they can get me a result.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, and I could see where that, you know, that kind of model would inherently attract People that are more invested and are thinking more critically about how how their business operates and how they are valuing basically every dollar that goes Mm -hmm. out and making sure that that dollar is working for them.
0: Right. Because these are women that want to invest. Right. Like they're not like wanting to get out of investing in their business or investing in their growth but like yeah they're they're thinking about it in really smart strategic ways like what's the what's the return on that investment and when they understand how partnership works and how this model works they're like well that's really obvious there's only an ever a return on that investment basically
1: it's that time of year time to set some new goals or consider your new year's resolution and if you're like a lot of business owners i know You might be thinking that this is the year you're going to get your shit together when it comes to your money. You're going to start reviewing that P&L statement you get every month. You're going to be more intentional about how you spend and closely tracking the ROI you're getting. You're going to get clear on exactly how you're making money and how you can make more of it without working yourself into the ground. Now, if you're both nodding your head and feeling the anxiety rise in your chest as I describe these financial goals, I see you. We all have the best of intentions about how we're going to manage our business finances, but few people actually follow through on learning how to manage their business's money or execute the financial plans they create. You wanna feel like you're on top of your money stuff but it's tough to climb over all the questions and reports and bank accounts and spreadsheets. That's where I come in. I help you think like a CFO. Working together, you'll learn the skills you need to confidently make database decisions about how to spend your money and how to structure your business so you make more. You'll build a more resilient business that's efficient and easy to run and you'll create meaningful financial processes so you're never caught with your pants down again think like a cfo is a six-month accelerator online workshop and coaching program that will teach you to think about your business like a cfo would we'll cover six core topics including risk and resilience investing in your business scaling sustainably and your relationship with money You'll also get dedicated implementation time and live support so you don't get stuck on the details or the execution. And you'll get a clear path to true small business financial literacy so you can connect your money to every other aspect of your work, from daily operations to long vacations. Think Like a CFO is enrolling right now. And when you register before December 31st, you'll also get my course, Not Rocket Finance, which is the perfect primer for Think Like a CFO. To find out more about Think Like a CFO and finally get your business shit together, go to scalespark.co slash CFO. So going back a little bit to the pricing model. So when you... Started this off, you were doing just revenue revenue share only. What um what prompted you to add back in a base rate?
0: Yeah, great question. So initially, when I did the revenue share only, it was like with two clients basically. I would do like two at a time, and then I would have still all my regular clients like just on a base rate or just on a regular payment structure. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, um. I kept feeling a pull to be like, this is something like this means something I really want to turn my business in this direction. But fundamentally, at the end of the day, like I have operating expenses as a business, right? Mm -hmm. And and so I felt like I needed some level of certainty. And I needed to take some level of responsibility there too, because of course, I have a team to pay and all of that. And so I was trying to find that balance of like, how can I basically make this my business model, but without taking so much risk, that I'm like not putting myself in a good position to actually serve my clients. Because I think that's important too. We're like, I want to be mm-hmm. invested in their success, but not so invested that I'm like, well, if you don't do good on this launch, I can't pay my team kind of thing. Right. Because
1: mm-hmm.
0: right. then we're like over invested and it gets weird. So for me, that's where the base rate came in. Like I was like, if I'm going to transition my whole business to this, that has to be a non-negotiable because that keeps me the right amount of invested and detached with my clients. And it gives me the right amount of certainty and, and, you know, ability to function and operate as a business.
1: That totally makes sense. Um, And balancing kind of where your level of risk and investment should ultimately be and making that reflect how you emotionally are also invested in their business. Exactly.
0: And I think another important piece of it is I really do think, um, oh, my gosh, what's that quote, it's gonna like, totally leave me now. But it's basically something about like, the energy is in the transaction, or the, I forget, do, do you know what quote I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, but meaning like, there's <laughs> some level of energetic exchange, that's really important in having to pay your coach something, right? And, yeah, like, there's an a, a belief that comes through that of like, I believe this much in my business that I am willing to put this money on the table
1: first kind of thing, right? Yeah, there's definitely a psychological kind of investment that comes with putting your money where your mouth is.
0: Exactly. So I feel like I'm kind of doing that right by being like, I'm willing to like be your partner in this and let's go all in. And then I need them to be able to do it a little bit too. Like, and I'm willing to pay your base rate. Like, so it, it feels like there's this even exchange of us both being like, let, let's let put some energy and some stake in the
1: game. That totally makes sense. So when you are kind of pitching this non-traditional model to new clients do you get any kind of resistance because it's very atypical or do you use it as a filter or how how does that kind of conversation end up working
0: so I love that question because I have to tell you when I first started doing this I was like I basically prepared myself like I was like I'm probably going to get a ton of pushback on calls like this is probably going to be something like most people aren't going to be interested in adopting. I'm okay with that. Like I, I like prepped hard. You know what I mean? (laughs) I don't think I've really gotten one sincere objection around it. Um, because most people are like, I freaking love that you are invested in my success in that way.
1: So it's, most people are viewing it more as a positive than a negative.
0: Exactly, exactly. Most people are viewing it as a positive. I think like the only time I've ever really gotten um, any level of pushback is um, sometimes like, so a lot of my clients work with me for a long time. Like I I have a six month program, but most of my clients stay with me for a year or longer. And every now and then, like as a client has like really grown in our work together and they're about to re-sign, they're like, oh my gosh, I realize how much money I'm re-signing for at this point basically, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. and, and I'm like always happy to talk through that with them. But ultimately, like the conclusion most of them come to is like, but the reason I'm making this much money is because we've had this partnership. And so it makes sense versus like going to someone else and paying them this much money who hasn't been part of my success or hasn't um, built this with me, so to speak.
1: No, that, that, that totally makes sense. It's... Um... Yeah, the concept is just really interesting.
0: It's a lot to take in when you're like at that point. You're like, oh wait, I get how much I'm making and how much I'm reciting for at this point, right?
1: Yeah, but it's not really any different than something like an affiliate program, or you know, there's a lot of ways where we cut a percentage of our income out to other expenses. You know, there's not really, there's not intellectually necessarily anything different to yeah. a revenue share to your coach versus a revenue share to a referral or an affiliate. A hundred
0: percent. It's basically like an operating expense at that point. And like Mm -hmm. what I always remind people too, is that like the thing that's so safe about it is it's literally based on what you make just like affiliate sales, right? Like I'm not paying out affiliates if they're not making sales. I'm like, it's the same here. So I think
1: that's super valuable. Absolutely. So how, how do you actually execute this so you are like from an actual physical exchange yeah. <laughs> of invoices yeah. and payments how do you how do you make that happen how do you have access to see what they're making and you send them an invoice you just trust them how do how does that kind of exchange work yeah great question so
0: in our contract we have the right to audit any and all of their books, basically, Um, that is not a practice that feels necessary um, (laughs) most of the time, right? Like, I feel like when you, it's really interesting to me, but I think like that partnership mentality, like that starts off the coaching relationship in such a different way. Like, I feel like I just know where my clients are at. Like, they're telling me about their sales. I know what they're making. Like, I have a guesstimate of like where we're ending up. So, like, I never really feel this, like, deep pull to be, like, how can I, like, get exact specifics? Like, I we truly form a relationship where I just believe and, and totally trust in what they're saying. And we're talking enough and communicating enough. I'm, like, very hands-on with all my clients that, like, I pretty much know, right? So, yeah. um, in terms of, like, the specifics, what happens is we have an automated reminder that goes out to all of our clients um, on the first Tuesday of every month basically to say, like, reconcile your numbers for last month, let us know what they are, they have a certain amount of days to get that back to us, then we invoice them based on their percentage. And then they have like, you know, 10 days to take care of it. So they're effectively getting two invoices from us each month, which is the base rate and then the percentage. And so instead of paying one month, monthly sum, so to speak, like in most coaching situations, they're
1: basically paying us twice a month. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so your clients are getting a good result from this. How, what kind of impact has this new approach had on you and how your business feels to operate and how has it kind of impacted your operational capacity? Oh my gosh. Um,
0: like it's changed everything. So I'm, <laughs> I'm someone that loves one on one, like some of my clients don't like so I could be on seven calls in a day and be like, that was the best day ever. And some of my clients are like, if I was on seven calls in a day, I'd like jump off a bridge, like I cannot with that. <laughs> um, yeah, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's like just a matter of personal preference. Like this is certainly not like a recommendation I have for everyone. But for me and my personality, and like what I love, like it has been an incredible fit. And it's just changed the game. Because for so long, what I was basically told by like friends and mentors and whatever is that I was like, limiting myself and playing small by not scaling, um, you know, with like the one to many model and by not having like big group programs and whatever. And I'll tell you that I tried it. Like I remember like my last group program launch, like it went well, like I think we had 43 people. It was good. I hated it. like I loved the people. I, I just hated it. I hated launching. I hated running a group. I wanted to like literally be in all of their businesses. I would like stay up at night, like searching them on the internet to try to find out more about their business. Like it just was not a a good situation.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, I think there's a lot of messages out there about that. That is the only choice in terms of scaling an online business is that you have to start doing group programs or you have to start doing courses. Mm -hmm. And there's no possible way to work one-on-one with clients without either growing an agency or um, figuring out out an alternative. And I I love that you kind of said screw it screw it to all of that. So said, I'll just find a way to do it. Yeah. I mean, I really did
0: feel like that. Like I was basically just like, I'm so sick of hearing like one-on-one isn't scalable. Like I'll just figure that out because that's like, I mean, this sounds so cheesy, but I really feel like this measure of like, but this is what I'm meant to be doing in the world kind of thing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so it's just changed everything in terms of like, I feel like we actually have what I can call scalable one-on-one. So we started at the beginning of last year. And last, and you can imagine, I had like a lot of clients that were grandfathered in, right? Mm-hmm. Last year, we did nothing different in our business besides changing to that new model. And again, a lot of people were grandfathered in, so it wasn't like a full scale thing. We added a hundred k in revenue to our business last year just with that.
1: Just from that, mm-hmm. wow, that's impressive.
0: Like, didn't work more, didn't take on more clients, nothing. Like it was just like with the new clients and their their growth. That's what we were able to add. And so for me, like. You know, i it, it, I might not have the business model that goes zero to a million in a year, but just to be able to see like we can add six figures every year through this thing, and I think we'll have added six figures this year too. Um, it it just has changed my ability to be like, I can do it my way. I can make things work my way, and like there's literally nothing in the world that makes me more proud than being able to be like, I made an extra hundred k because I helped my clients make an extra million. Like that is so satisfying to me.
1: Well, yeah, and it's great. It's a great sales tool. I love, I love actual actual numbers (laughs) and saying these are the actual results that I got. Like here's the real numbers. Here's what happened. um, Here's the impact. And I think that's really powerful. But I also love the Um, perspective that it was, it was really about doubling down on your commitment to your clients and your commitment to run a business that was the right business for you and how you work and how you want to work. And I think that is underestimated as a, a, I guess, a determining factor of what kind of business you should run
0: yeah I always say to my clients, like making money isn't the most important thing. It's how you make the money absolutely right. like you I could be making I probably could be making a lot more to be to be pr- perfectly honest if I had gone the you know do a big group program thing. i it just wouldn't matter because I wouldn't be happy. And like why did all of us actually start our business because we actually want to feel like happy and lit up and make the money? And so the how is so freaking important. Mm-hmm in terms of it matching your personality. I think for some people, like the the big scale launches and so I have plenty of clients whose personality that epically matches. But like, I think that we just don't take into account enough. Like, what is the thing that makes this not feel like a job? Because then the
1: money is like an extra bonus, right? Yep. So what have, what are you planning to do in terms of scaling after this? How, how has this changed your approach to scaling? Are you at a you're going to hit capacity and stick with your clients that you've got and continue to grow their revenue? Or are there other 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 ways that you're looking at approaching this?
0: Yeah, great question. So um, <laughs> I feel like I'm now in the practice. This is like a little bit, woo, but it, it's relevant. But like, I just down like, with the always believe like a divine download is coming because I had such an epic experience with being like, I will be a one-on-one person and then being in the bathtub and just like finding the answer. So like basically every year in my business, I always tell myself like, it's always this time of year. It's always around now. I'm always like a divine download is coming. And so like, I think that I'm birthing one. I don't know what it is yet, but something else will come. Last year, um, it was that I decided to do my podcast and basically what I do on my podcast is, um, I just record six months of coaching someone and that was like totally divine download idea. Like, you know, just one of those things. So anyway, like TBD, but in terms of the, um, the scalability plan, obviously like I, I could just cap it in terms of like we're growing because our client's revenue is growing every year. Right. And so I think that that is a trajectory that like is really unlimited. Um, but I'm also testing it and doing it in another model, which is a mastermind model with percentages. So I have eight people right now in a mastermind where we do percentages from that too. Oh,
1: interesting. And
0: that's been really, really amazing too. So like in In some ways it's like scalable on many levels, but the the revenue percentage is going to continue to be something that's really present. And I think it will be the thing that continues to grow our revenue too.
1: No, I absolutely think that. And I think it um it it does allow you to double down on the clients that you have Mm -hmm. where so often when we're stuck with um, you know, fixed rate kind of engagements that aren't necessarily tied to the success or the results that we're seeing for clients, there's this kind of tapping out with a specific client where, you know, if if they came in 15 years ago when your rates were <laughs> really, really low, you know, you have to offload them or get them onto yeah. a, a new more plan. You know, if your rates change, you are then compelled to either find new clients or bump the clients that you have. And I love that this kind of model allows you to Continue reinvesting in that partnership, continue reinvesting in the business and the results that you've already seen without feeling that pressure to constantly be renegotiating in order to um, in, in order to raise your rates or hit your hit your revenue goals.
0: I really like how you said that. And I think that's a really great point, which is I feel like it actually lets you almost like put your attention on the scale instead of on the sale, so to speak, right? And so I feel like I get Mm -hmm. to invest a lot of my attention in the skill of coaching and growth and and the things that I'm like most epically interested in, right? Um, Because that other piece is taking care of itself in a new way. So I think that's a perfect way to say it.
1: I love that. So before we wrap up, is there anything that you think we should talk about that we haven't yet?
0: I think what I would just say is well, actually, I have two things. One is, I think, just like permission to do it your way. And I know you talk so much about opting out, and I think that is just so important. Like, I, I feel like if I could literally give everyone I talk to, all of my clients, everyone you know that hears from me or whatever, one message, it would be like you can do it your own way. And I just love how much you're sharing that point. And I just want to reinforce it one more time. Like this is a cool business model. I'm like all for it, but like, it doesn't have to be this. Like, I just hope this is an example of like, if there's something that's on your heart and that you know you're meant to do, you can find a way to build and scale that no matter what anyone else says, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And the second thing I would say is like, one of my like best, uh, you know, like biggest wins in terms of thinking about things like that has been um, just using blue ocean strategy. Are you familiar with that? Yep,
1: absolutely. So like,
0: that's such a good tool to just start on for this. Like they have like four really key questions. And like, I definitely asked myself those questions a lot when I was building out this model. And in many ways, those questions are what led to it. Like I've been thinking about blue ocean strategy a lot before that idea came to me. And so I think that that's just such a good place to start in terms of like, okay, cool. Like I hear this and I want to opt out of some things, but like, where do I even begin asking those questions? Like, I think that's a perfect place to start.
1: Awesome. I think that's, that is a fabulous uh, note to end on. So where can our listeners find you if they want to connect or learn more?
0: Yeah, beautiful. So my website is a um and my podcast is called Literally. So either of those places you can find me.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and for sharing and being so open about your revenue model, I really appreciate it. And I think our listeners are getting a lot of value out of it.
0: Thank you, thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful to have this conversation.
1: The revenue share model Lacey shared with us is a great option for continuing to work with clients one-on-one without limiting your ability to grow. It also really allows Lacey and her clients to be on the same page and working towards the same goals. Because when the client's business grows, so does Lacey's. Now, this may or may not be a good option for your business, If your work with clients is long term and it directly contributes to an increase in revenue or profitability, this might be a good option. But one thing to remember here is that the risk in this model will fall on you, the business owner. So like Lacey talked about, you have to be really good at filtering for the right clients for this model. The ones who are going to hold up their end of the bargain and do the work that needs to get done. You also probably want to have been doing this kind of work for a while so that you can be pretty confident about the kind of results you're going to see with your clients because your financial health will be tied to them achieving those projected results so you want to make sure they can actually do that this unique model won't be right for everyone but if it is a good fit for your business it can be a way to increase your financial results without having to scale your operations Next week, I'm taking a week off and you won't have a new Break the Ceiling episode in your feed on Tuesday, but I'll be back in January and we'll be talking about the psychology of money, which is going to be really fun. So make sure you hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss it. Break the Ceiling is produced by Yellow House Media. Our executive producer is Sean McMullen. Our production coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode was edited by Marty Seifeld with production assistance by Kristen Rundbeck.